The Lot Teaser Making serious a lot easier This podcast is powered by Faria de Oliveira Advogados Law Firm We all got bills. As we know it, coronavirus pandemic is affecting everything and everyone, including students. More specifically, students regarding universities and colleges' tuitions. All over the world, students as well as their parents are suing universities and colleges demanding tuitions refund or reduction from universities in Brazil, Europe, and the Ivy League. Two different arguments have been used. The first regards to the fact that online courses are not as valuable as in-person classes, as academic rigor and quality has decreased, and students are not having access to some universities and colleges' facilities such as libraries, dorms, cafeterias, and extracurricular and social activities, which are all included in their tuition fee. When it comes to dorms and housing costs, most universities have been refunding or providing credit for the next year. But when it comes to tuition itself, things are not that simple. Universities say that classes quality is ensured with the online courses and full access to professors, this latter is actually better than before. Students, on the other hand, argue that contractual breach has occurred without in-person experience, as well as the impact that pass-fail grading has over the value of students' degrees and their lives. However, a force majeure could be alleged by the universities, as well as if they prove that online classes and courses are as good and efficient as in-person and that universities guarantee students access to their facilities, such as, for example, an online library service. Refunds, in this case, may not be justified. The second argument is simply financial distress. From students and their families, In Brazil, for example, a student filed a lawsuit against the university requiring a 30% monthly fee reduction, arguing that his parents got hit by a huge income crisis since they own a travel agency. The reason why the judge decided to deny the student's request was because he lacked on proving his parents' financial statements as well as there was no evidence of who was the one responsible for paying the university. On the other hand, several students are dropping out of universities because of COVID-19 is actually affecting their students' finances. It's exactly what's happening in Japan. This is insane. Let's keep an eye on these cases. Is justice accessible to all? The Global Access to Justice Project 
a project which gathers latest information on the impact of the world's major justice systems, has evaluated how accessible is justice during a pandemic. Quoting the project overview, true democracy is founded on the rule of law and becomes an illusion if justice is not available for all. Access to justice is therefore the most basic civic right of any modern democratic state claiming to guarantee the protection of equal rights for all. However, according to them, around 3.4 billion people don't have access to justice system. And how about now, during this pandemic? This study on the impacts of COVID-19 on justice systems considered countries such as Brazil, Cuba, France, Italy, the Netherlands, Portugal, Chile, and the United States of America. According to the study on 51 countries' justice systems, 92% of countries have adopted specific measures to diminish the impact of COVID-19 and the judiciary. 73% of countries have decided to work remotely, and 71% of states have temporarily suspended physical access at public offices. 49% have temporarily suspended lawsuits deadlines, and 72% of countries have adopted special measures to ensure the access of justice. The major one was investing in technology to ensure social distancing. However, 78% of countries have not adopted measures to avoid lawsuits accumulation or that 65% of countries have not adopted any kind of specific measures to facilitate new demands during a time with new and specific conflicts are arising. For more information about Global Access to Justice project, access www.globalaccesstojustice.com No video conference, please. A historical example of the new special measures we spoke about on our previous case of the impact of coronavirus on the justice system is the Supreme Court of the United States of America that, for the first time in its 231 years, has held oral arguments by teleconference. Video is a bit too much at the moment. It was the case of the United States Patent and Trademark Office versus Booking.com and the Little Sisters of the Poor versus Pennsylvania. These are actually super interesting cases. So, summing them up, the United States Patent and Trademark Office considers that the word booking is not able to be registered and protected since it's a generic word in which adding the .com does not qualify it for registration. Booking.com, on the other hand, says that 74% of its consumers see Booking.com as a trademark. During this oral argument, justices of the Supreme Court have shown their concern that allowing Booking.com to become a trademark, that would create a monopoly negatively affecting consumers and competitors. The second case, the Little Sisters of the Poor, 
a Catholic charity, say they fall within the exceptions to comply with the Affordable Care Act birth control mandate due to their religious beliefs. The Affordable Care Act, aka Obamacare, birth control mandate requires employers to provide health insurance that includes access to contraception for female workers. Exceptions were made for churches and so on because of their religious beliefs by the government. These exceptions, however, were broadened, including for-profit corporations in the Burwell v. Hobby Lobby case and to any private employer with religious and moral objections by the Trump administration. So pretty much everyone can opt out. Justices asked questions which showed their opinion. For example, both Justice Ginsburg and Justice Sotomayor considered that these exceptions violate the whole purpose of the act, making women pay from their own pockets. Justice Alito enhanced the need to consider different religious views, and Justice Roberts, as Justice Kagan, asked if the exceptions were not too broadly written. Decisions are likely to be disclosed this summer. This are not the rules of the game. That's what the Second Senate of the Federal Constitutional Court in Germany said to the European Central Bank. Last week, the German Constitutional Court ruled that European Central Bank's 2015 bond buying from the Public Sector Purchase Program partially violates the German constitution. This program settles that Eurosystem central banks may, quoting, purchase government bonds or other marketable debt securities issued by central governments of Euro area member states by recognized agencies and international organizations or by multilateral development banks. To which the German constitutional court gave the European Central Bank three months to prove the principle of proportionality. The European Court of Justice, the ECJ, replied saying that the German Constitutional Court's decision is not binding, since the ECJ is the one that has, quoting, exclusive competence to declare that an act of an European institution is contrary to European Union law. However, today, one of the board members of the European Central Bank said that it will continue to buy Eurozone public debt. Yikes. That was it! Hope you enjoyed the legal issues of last week. TLT is excited to see you next Monday. Always making serious a lot easier.